Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Terry M. Wildman. Terry is of Ojibwe and Yakqui roots, and he's the lead translator, general editor, and project manager of the First Nations Version New Testament, published by University Press. He serves as the director of spiritual growth and leadership development for Native University. He is also the founder of Rain Ministries and has previously served as a pastor and worship leader. He and his wife, Darlene, live in Arizona. So welcome to the show, Terry. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. What else would you like our listeners to know about you? Well, my wife and I live in uh, Maricopa, Arizona. And Maricopa, Arizona is um, the traditional lands of the Pima and the Tohono O'odham who are the native, original native people of this land here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a Jesus follower since I was um, 18 years old. Um, I've gone through a lot of changes in my life. I have, um, I grew up in Michigan, uh, in the land of the Anishinaabeg, we say. And uh, the Anishinaabe are the real people. Um, I apologize to the rest of you. But uh that's what the the name means is uh, the people or the real people. But um, I grew up in Michigan, and and uh, I didn't grow up in my culture. But over the years, I learned more and more about my culture. And eventually, when uh, I was older and became a Jesus follower, uh, Creator then uh, called me. Over a long period of time, I learned how to hear His voice a little bit or hear his leading, and he, through circumstances and whatever, led me to begin a, uh, to reach out and learn about my Native heritage, mm-hmm. and then to uh, bring Jesus uh, into that heritage. And so that's a, a little bit about me. Um, you know, I, um, I've been uh, mentored since that time in, in, in many Native ways. I've had, I have, I've had a couple different mentors, and uh, both of them believers in Jesus, but also both of them very well uh, versed in our native culture, or at least the, the at least the Anishinaabe culture, the Ojibwe people. Great, great. And uh, what is what's different? Would you say about your faith now than uh, your early your early faith? Well, my early faith, you know, as a just out of high school, I'm a teenager. You know, I wanted to enjoy life. I wanted to have some fun. I wanted to. You know, sow my oats, so to speak. But uh, you know, um, I kept hearing about this, uh, about this Jesus person. Mm-hmm. I heard it through different different people. I got invited to different events, and I was drawn uh, to the people who uh, believed in Jesus. I was drawn to um, their testimony, their how how they were experiencing life. But I was also uh, Part of my reasoning at the time was I was I was a little scared of God. Hmm. You know, I'm I was scared of this hell they kept preaching about, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, 
And so a lot of my idea was I wanted to get to heaven, so I'm going to accept Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I put it off as long as I could. But uh, I guess you'd say he just kept after me. He's real. And for me, I, I discovered the reality of Jesus, and that's what made a difference. It was later, later I discovered the scriptures and, and all the different things, but, um, and theology and things like that. But uh, uh, as far as Jesus back then was about a lot about getting into heaven. Yeah. So the difference now is about getting heaven into me. Hmm. You know, it's it's more about living in the way of Jesus and learning to relate to people as one who believes in, we call him in the First Nation version, creator sets free, Jesus, um, but one who is a, who walks in his way. And, um, and what does that mean? What does that mean in this, uh, in this majority culture that we live in? And also, what does it mean in our, in our native culture to be a follower? Of the Jesus one. Yeah, yeah. What spiritual practices have been meaningful for you or might you recommend to others? Wow, you know, spiritual practices, that's that's a big word. And uh, uh, I've never been very good at, at, at what they call the disciplines, the Christian disciplines. I mean, I've tried them. And I just, the day-to-day thing I've never really gotten into. So my, uh, so what I, I would say my spiritual practices that are meaningful to me is learning how to love my wife like Christ loves the church. Yeah. Learning how to take care of my children and provide for them and teach them uh, in the Jesus way how to walk, how to walk. Learning how to uh, get along with my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Learning how to forgive people who have hurt me. Learning how to get along with people I don't agree with. Those, so those are kind of my spiritual practices now that I give myself more to. I, I appreciate that as someone who, like I study family systems theory a lot. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but I think like my biggest application of that is just with my own wife, my spouse, and then my kids. And I appreciate your your emphasis on like, you know, peace starts at home. You know, yeah. if we can live peacefully with our, our loved ones and our neighbors, like that'll go a long way. Well, thanks, yeah. thanks for sharing that. Let's talk about, uh, so Terry is the editor or lead editor, is that right? Lead translator is one of the ways uh, they describe me, and uh, and project manager for the First Nations version. Yeah, of the First Nations version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament uh, from University Press. You also uh, do some other stuff with University. Talk about, if you would, kind of your role with them and their native ministries, and then the kind of the goal of the. the, the well, I kind of uh, connected to InterVarsity Press through the First Nations version. Oh, some of some of the native staff, or not InterVarsity Press, but InterVarsity Native Ministries, uh, um, through the First Nation version, because I was looking for over the years that we took to translate this uh, First Nation version, we wanted it all to be all native people that were involved in this translation process. And so we needed a lot of reviewers. And so I was looking for young reviewers, elderly reviewers, uh, reviewers from different denominational backgrounds and things like that. And so what happened was uh, some of the uh, staff of Native InterVarsity um, found the First Nations version. And they began to use it in their ministry. They began to use it in their Bible studies. And they were getting amazing feedback, is what they told me. Hmm. 
And so from that, uh, we, they, the, they reached out to me, mm-hmm. uh, they, they wanted to know, well, do you have any more portions done that we could, we could use in our Bible studies, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> even ahead of the publication. And so what happened was they began to, I began to cultivate a relationship and some of the native InterVarsity staff actually became some of our reviewers hmm. to give feedback on the translation working through Google Docs. So being that the First Nation version is a translation by Native people and for Native people, it made a lot of sense to make those connections yeah. and, and to uh, develop that. And out of that, uh, I met uh, the leader of Native InterVarsity, Megan Krishke. And Megan, uh, after building relationship for a time, and they invited me to be a guest speaker at the Would, Eat, Would Jesus Eat Fry Bread event that they do, hmm. which is a great event with a lot of Native students. And, and I was invited to be guest speaker. And, and building that relationship, we've, eventually I was invited to, become, to come on staff and to, with Native InterVarsity and to be the Director of Spiritual Growth and Leadership Development. Great. Um, I'm interested, if I can ask this, I was just having a conversation earlier with some Asian American pastors uh, on the conversation or on the topic of what they call third culture leaders. Um, if, I, if I remember correctly, this idea of you know, folks who've grown up in one, or their, like their families from one culture, they've grown up, so for instance, immigrants, their parents were immigrants, they themselves are children of immigrants having grown up in America, and then they kind of have this third culture they're living into. Um, would that be a fair description of, of many indigenous folks who find themselves navigating that in, in, in America today? Well, being that Native people were already here, that makes us a little different than these other cultures who were imported here to this land. Sure. So, so uh, being the original people of the land, and being a people who have been um, uh, involved with treaties with the U.S. government and and uh, missionary outreaches and things like that, we've had to learn how to navigate between two worlds. We we really uh, many of our native people live in two worlds. Uh, on the one side, they're pretty much assimilated and work regular jobs. Some of them, most of them, most of our native people, and on the other side. You know, we go to powwows. We uh, connect as much as possible to our families. Some of our families still live on on reservations, and so we visit those reservations and we participate in in family events and things like that, cultural events and such. And a lot of those, a lot of times, those two worlds don't cross. Hmm. Yeah, the, the conversation that I had with them, uh, they talked about how, and certainly there's. E- if not more so, the history with white American Christians trying to erase culture of indigenous persons. Um, and certainly it was true of these, these uh, leaders I spoke to. But given that, his, given that awful historical context, as I've talked to other indigenous persons, one of the things I've heard from them is the challenges of sharing Christianity with, with indigenous persons or native persons because of that long, dark, and awful history of Christianity what does that look like in your context, and, and how have you dealt with that? I'm curious. Well, for me, personally, I didn't grow up in our Native culture, so I didn't experience mm-hmm. uh, much of what a lot of our Native people have experienced. And it has been tragic. As a matter of fact, I've spent a lot of time uh, visiting. Uh, my wife and I spent 10 years on the road visiting Native 
uh, uh, nations. Uh, uh, sometimes we, uh, my wife and I, played our music. We have music. We as rain song. We played our music at powwows. We visited tribal centers. We visit churches, and we try to we try to break down that barrier that exists, the misunderstanding that exists between our peoples. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of suspicion. The Christian Christianity. The way Christianity came to us, it came to us in a forced way. Yeah, and and so the government was hoping to assimilate us uh, because because it was a big problem dealing with all our tribes, and so what happened was the churches got involved with the government. The government gave the churches money if we would civil if the churches would civilize the Indians, the native people, and so um, that history. Is very it's very difficult because we were presented with a more what we would call a colonial Jesus, and that colonial Jesus was not the Jesus of the Bible, even though they were saying he was the Jesus of the Bible, and that's what made it confusing because the Jesus they were representing seemed very different than the Jesus of the Scriptures. At least for me, it's that way, and for many of our native people, it's that way also. Very few of our native people will confess to be church members or, or even uh, believers in Christianity. The word Christianity itself has a negative terminology that I try to stay away from. I talk about being a follower of the Jesus way. And, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, it's a challenge. I ended up writing a book. Uh, it's called Sign Language, a look at the historic and prophetic landscape of America, to look at this whole issue and to say, what can we do today in today's world? What could churches do? What could individual Christians do to help facilitate a reconciliation or conciliation um, or, or healing between our peoples? Because there's still division there, and, and it, it, it exists, and it needs to come down. And we're hoping that this translation will be part of that uh, process of helping non-Native people understand Native people and appreciate what we can bring to the table, what we can bring to the body of Christ. And the other side of it, that, that the dominant culture the, the, uh, would begin to care about Christian or, or care about Native people, not just Native Christians, but Native people everywhere, and that they would have a new understanding. Uh, you know, the Bible never hides the bad history. Yeah. It's all there for you to read. All, all the ugliness is there. But, in, you know, today there seems to be a tendency, and there always has been, to hide this part of American history. This, yeah. It's been hidden in the closet, and it, needs, it still has not come out the way it should. And our Native people need to be able to heal and tell our story and to be recognized that this really did happen to us. And that it really wasn't Jesus that did it. It was people who need to actually, you know, rethink of the way they brought Jesus to us. And so it's hard because there's been many generations of this. And so people living today say, well, what have I got to do with all that? I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you get to live on the land that they took. You know, it's, you get to have the benefits that we lost. So you are part of this, whether whether you understand it or not. And so those are some of the things and some of the challenges that we have. And also Native people have a different worldview. And even though we all speak English now, which is what this translation is based on, 
we all speak English, but we all still have some kind of connection. Some of us have lost it almost completely, but we're we're trying to recapture it. And in recapturing it, uh, that's a challenge in itself. Restoring our languages is a, is a challenge because you know ninety over ninety percent of our people can't read our language. And most of them don't speak the language anymore, even though in schools we're trying to recover it and some tribes are doing better than others in, in recovering that. But those are some of the challenges. I'd recommend my book for you want to go a little deeper into it. Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish I'd had you on for that. So I might ask a follow-up question here uh, if we have time. Uh, I'm thinking about just the little training I have in pastoral care, you know, the harm it can do of uh, basically saying to someone like, you know, get over it essentially. And that's so much of what like white America has done to indigenous persons, to African-Americans, to other people of color who've been marginalized. It's like, get over it already. And if I'm hearing y'all right, it's just like, Hey, like let us, let us process it first. Thanks. You know? Well, the, the same people that tell us all the, that's in the past. Get over it. Are the same people who scream, I'll never forget 9-11. Yeah. I'll never, never forget. Never forget. Well, our native people, we have the same thing. We don't want to ever forget what happened, you know, um, because it's important to own up to it. Yeah. Uh, all of us, you know, native people have a part in all this and non-native people have a part in it. And together we're, we're coming generations later from some terrible policies that are still not undone today. There are still things being done today by churches, by our government, that are still hurting our Native people. Those things should be addressed. And because we're only 1% of the population, it's difficult for that to be addressed. Yeah, so I'm ordained in a a Christian tradition called the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, a a mainline denomination. And, you know, I I, part of my ordination process did a anti-racism kind of training, and it was I had to learn about kind of these horrendous parts of my denomination's history, like like the the land rush in Oklahoma, where basically the denomination like just like was like, hey, the federal government's giving away this tribe, you know, tribal land. Go get it, go take it, and then uh, other instances of some of the things you're describing. Um, what are they, residential centers? Yes. Right? Like boarding schools? Yeah. Like, um, I think it's called, it's now called the Yakima Christian Mission, I think. But it was, again, like a residential or boarding school that was sponsored by my denomination years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was told a story of, of a young woman whose, I think, grandmother came back. Uh, no, no. She came back, her grandmother was there as a child, and how, like, kind of the, the, under, the, the unstated mission of the, 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 the mission back then was, you know, basically to deculture, I don't know what the word would be, uh, indigenous person. That, and, she, and she came back as, like, you know, like a very white-skinned, red-haired girl, and she just, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, kind of lamented how, like, she was... You know, she was the result of sadly, quote unquote, successful deculturation. Uh, so it's a very troubling history. But like you said, especially for I think white people, we need to own up to 
what's been what's happened well many uh white americans so to use that expression don't realize that and their followers of jesus that identify as being christians don't realize that they've been assimilated into a culture yeah they've been assimilated away from their christian faith into another way of thinking that has influenced their christian faith in a negative way and has uh, kind of created a syncretism between uh, America and its history and its mythology and their own Christian faith. And so when faced with that, it's a very difficult thing to own up to. Yeah. Wow. Our ancestors, they did bad things. They were deceived. And gosh, I've inherited their deception. And now what do we do? Well, Jesus, you know, the scriptures do teach us what to do. Make it right. Do what we can to make it right. You know, we can't restore everything, but what can we restore? We can restore dignity. We can restore harmony. We can restore relationship. That's what reconciliation is about, is about the restoration of a relationship. And that relationship needs to be on an equal grounding basis. I guess you should have me on. We're talking about the First Nations version translation, but you should have me on for my other book sometime in the future. I will. Um, Who's it published? Is it published through our friends at InterVarsity? Yes, InterVarsity Press is publishing the New Testament of the First Nation version. And oh no, it's no, it's self-published. You can find it. You can find it on my author page on Amazon.com. Back to that. Um, okay. Uh, let me ask though about the First Nations version, since that's what we're talking about. If I heard you correctly, it sounded like you're saying that the First Nations version, in really ways, helps both Native and non-Native persons kind of come together. In a way, is that fair? Well, yeah, I think so. The uh, the First Nation version is an attempt to capture the simplicity, the beauty of our native uh, heart languages, but transferring them over to English, but being faithful to the original language of the New Testament. And so the Bible becomes sort of a common ground that we're meeting on. Mm-hmm. We're meeting on this common ground, but we're looking at it a little bit differently. You know, and so our worldview, uh, the same as any other people group, our worldview influences the way we look at Scripture. And that worldview isn't necessarily wrong. It's just a way of looking and a way of seeing. Mm -hmm. And we believe that the Creator has given all different cultures these different worldviews so that we have, so that we're not, we don't have a monocultural view of the Creator of God, the Great Spirit. And so uh, Christians sometimes have this monocultural view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and they think it has to be uh, according to the way we do things in America or the way think we do things in Europe. Um, and so that idea is being trying to be put on other cultures, and if you become like us, then you can follow Jesus. And we're saying, no, no, we can follow Jesus the way we are, you know, every culture has good and bad in it. Every culture is judged by the Bible in some way and by the teachings of Jesus in some way. And we have to learn as the people of our own culture how to sort them, those things out and not be told which parts we can keep and not keep. Mm-hmm. I'm that still, makes sense. I'm still thinking back to your word and still processing about your idea of syncretism, which I really appreciate. Uh, your perspectives on that, because I think so often it's used disparagingly the other way, 
And I think you're bringing yes. a really important light that, especially like you said, uh, white American culture, Christian culture, it's so that image like of we're so often synchronizing with kind of the mainstream, I don't know, secular American, whatever culture. And that's a synchronism in its own right. Yeah, whenever you blend Christianity with um, another worldview, mm-hmm. and, and that's in some sen- in many senses contrary to Christianity, contrary to the teachings of Jesus, but you try to make it fit anyway. Yeah, there's a mythology to America. Yeah, that people have swallowed, and that mythology says we're a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if we were a Christian nation, would we have broken every treaty we ever made with Native people? Would we have stolen their lands? Would we have would, would we have um, uh, enslaved the African people? Would we have been involved in all that if we were truly a Christian nation? Absolutely not. We wouldn't have done those things. Uh, so that mythology gets mixed in with their with Christian faith, and so. We have to learn how to sort that out. And a lot of times people are focused on, you know, little things like, well, you know, how, you know, it used to be holiness movement. Well, are you wearing long sleeves? Yeah. Do women wear pants or not? Do you smoke cigarettes? And all these things, you know, become the, the focus of our Christianity rather than what does Jesus say? Mercy, justice, humility, forgiveness. All these these things and the the breaking down of the walls between Jews and Gentiles and and slave and free and all these different people and so um, so we have to sort all that out. Native people have to do it too, but we're we're saying you guys, I you know, you guys are behind on this. <laughs> Fair enough. You know? Yeah, I want to I want to touch on worldview and. Uh, I think it's, I'll just like own like my own worldview and how hard it might be for, you know, like it's the, like, I think you use this term, maybe I'm imagining, like it's the, the air we breathe, the, the, the water we swim in. Talk about how uh, your worldview or the different worldview of indigenous persons kind of has, uh, what's the word, um, and played a role in the, in the interpretation process of the First Nations version. Well, understanding the me- the meaning of things like um, native native people generally have we don't have a two different views of what secular life is and what spiritual life is. We have a united view. Everything's spiritual. It's all united, and there are physical things and there are spiritual things that are spirit. But they're not divided. They're not separated from each other. They actually interact with each other. And that's what Jesus really taught us. Let, let, your, uh, let your will be done on earth mm-hmm. as it is in heaven. Let there be harmony between heaven and earth. Let there be harmony between heaven and me. So Native people, everything is about harmony, bringing things back into harmony. Once again, our relationship with one another, our relationship with creation our relationship with the animals and plants around us and the earth itself. All these things are part of our worldview. And so when we hear Jesus talk about we're going to inherit the earth, mm-hmm. well, we think differently about what that means. Yes, we do. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. 
So inheriting the earth means inheriting the beauty of creation and the harmony that creators put into it and respecting creation and respecting the balance that needs to, uh, that we need to work to maintain that balance on earth rather than uh, using the earth for, to draw all the resources out. We need to learn what do we need to give back to the earth so that balance happens and so that harmony takes place. So this, you know, that's just one of the things that affects the way we read the scriptures. You know, our daily bread, is, as you'll see when we do the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. uh, our daily bread is the, the elk, the buffalo, the salmon, the corn, the squash, the wild rice, mm-hmm. all those things that we, that we relate to as those things that are necessary to thrive on this planet, uh, on, on earth and on the land, and to be in harmony is to learn the ways of creation that creator put in there, the laws of creation, and respect them. Hmm. Yeah. I, I want to ask, too, about, you, you mentioned here earlier about how uh, you use the word creator sets free as a name for Jesus. Uh, I'm intrigued by, I was reading through Matthew and Mark, the translation here. Uh, you know, I forget, what, um, I forget what Isaiah was. Uh, but some of the different characters, John the Baptist, um, how they're named. Would you share kind of what uh, came, what what went into kind of those those names translations? Well, one of the things that makes the First Nations version a groundbreaking translation, we've been told, is the fact that we are taking the meanings of the biblical names and and bringing those meanings out. So everyone, their names have meanings. Jesus, well, first of all, the easy one is Abraham. Mm-hmm. What does his name mean? Father of many nations. Father of many nations. Before his name was Abraham, he had a different name. So his name was changed from honored father or exalted father to father of many nations. Because creator was doing something new with him and gave him a new name to match the new thing he was doing. And so all the names in the Bible, all the places in the Bible, there's meaning behind them. And sometimes those meanings reflect the story in the scripture and tell us something about that story. In John chapter 3, creator sets free. That's who we call Jesus. Why do we call him that? Because his name means God or Yah, Yahweh, saves or sets free or delivers. So his name is Creator, sets free, because he sets his people free from their bad hearts and broken ways. That's how we say sin, rather than using the word sin, which is a negative trigger word for our boarding schools, where the length of our hair was sin, the speaking our language was sin, and things like that. So we've tried to decolonize the scripture, but using the names has been one of the things that we've gotten the most feedback on is we, what we did is we took the original meanings of the names, which can be found in, in different Bible dictionaries, and there's books, there's actually books out on it, and there's places on the internet to search, and you find these names, and then we gave them a little bit of a native spin to the meaning of the name. And so our, our, the feedback from Native people, from First Nations people, has been that's been the most significant thing is is reading the meanings of the names because that was our tradition as native people our names had meaning um i was given i was given a naming ceremony 
uh, two of them actually, to get my native name. It's Gichi Animiki Minomashkiki Manadu. What that means in Ojibwe is voice of the great thunder with a good medicine spirit. Hmm. And so, uh, so the person, people who named me, my mentors who named me, saw some of these qualities in me and gave me the name based on those qualities through prayer and seeking creator for a name. And that's what our native people always did. Yeah. So I'm going to ask then, like, is there plans to do the Old Testament? Because certainly there's a rich legacy, so many stories of characters in the in the Old Testament with their names having these deep meanings. Well, you're the the tenth or twelfth interviewer that's asked me that. Um, we would love to do the Old Testament. Um, it's a challenge. It's huge. It's at least three times the New Testament. Um, it. Um, so we, we're praying about that. We've also prayed about doing a shortened version, a more narrative version of the Old Testament. Um, like some Bibles have done a shorter, the story has shortened it down somewhat. We don't know. We're still praying about that, seeking creator. Uh, you could join us in prayer. We would also need people to say, hey, we're going to come behind you financially because it takes time for me to lead a project like that. I have to dedicate almost my whole time to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about like uh, what Chronicles and all those names and how oh, long yeah. that would take. Just <laughs> It would take a long time. All those names just, uh, it's, you know, hard enough to read through sometimes in English. But, uh, um, you know, yeah, it would be, I'd be very intrigued to read the book of Genesis, for instance, uh, from a First Nations translation. Well, if you look at our prologue at the beginning, that's right. Yes, we we bring out the first couple of verses of Genesis, which is sort of a loose translation there, which would give you a little bit of a feel. We also in that prologue have a couple of Old Testament scriptures from Isaiah, from Daniel, that we translated um, as a part of the project to fit into this story, the the backstory for the New Testament. So, because um, we know the stories connect. And if you don't understand the the connection, then you're going to miss some of the meaning of the story. I wonder if it, if you wouldn't mind if I read uh, just one scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. All right. Um, so I'll pick one from Ephesians. People have often ask me, well, I know the narrative, the New Testament is good, but what about, if, about the letters? Does it work there? And it actually does. Because what a lot of people don't realize quick here, is that Paul's letters and every statement that Paul makes in his letters has a backstory to it in the Old Testament. And so the stories are there. The feel of the story is there. So Ephesians 2, 23 through 24 reads like this. Take off that worn out and stained outfit of your past life. It no longer represents who you are. You are now true human beings with a new way of seeing and thinking. Put on the regalia of your new life, for you have been made new, created again to look like the one who made you, standing in a good way and walking a true and sacred path. So it gives you a feel for how the wording has changed, but the meaning remains. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I was reading through the, like I said, the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, and for me, especially, I feel like it was almost. You know, so many of us, 
hopefully it's not just me. Uh, the words become almost familiar um, yeah. and brings a fresh perspective to me, at least it did. So I, I appreciate that. Well, we've had a lot of feedback from non-native people who really like this translation because it does exactly what you said. It takes those overly familiar words and gives new words to replace those, but words that kind of expand it a little bit, maybe maybe like the Amplified does sometimes. Yeah. But it expands it in a in through another cultural worldview that take that begins to to take away that that monocultural view of of creator of God. And maybe we're getting maybe I'm getting a little too deep here, but would it, I think it'd be fair to say that like I mean I would think I think especially white American culture at large doesn't realize we don't realize how different we are than uh, ancient Near Eastern culture. And I, I would think that uh, indigenous culture is probably closer to Absolutely. ancient Near Eastern culture, right? Absolutely. Because, um, you know, the, the ancient Near Eastern culture, the, the culture of the New Testament mm-hmm. uh, w- was very ceremonial. The Hebrew people were ceremonial. The Hebrew people had a had a world a a united worldview. They believed in one great creator over all things, but they also believed in that he had spirits and helpers that helped him in this whole process of of uh, bringing life to the world and bringing revealing himself to the world, and that he created humans for that very purpose also to reflect who he was in, into the earth. Even though we we totally failed on that, you know. Ducks, ducks do better at what they were created to do than we do. Hmm. You know, animals do better at what they were created to do than we do. Uh, we're the ones that are really messing it up. Uh, but also we mess it up because God has given us his image, his creative power, and we're using it in destructive ways. Hmm. You know, th- that reminds me, and uh, my son is being creative here right now <laughs> as you hear him. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but I asked them this question, is creativity part of the image of God? Is that the image of God within us? What do you think? Well, it, it has to be part of that image of God, because one of the primary ways to think about God is creator. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, what is the, the scripture opens up with? In the beginning, Elohim mm-hmm. created yeah. the heavens and the earth. The first thing he reveals himself as is a creator. And if we're created in his image, then we have creative, you know, animals don't create. You know, I mean, some of them build things, but it's all, it's all programmed into them. Yeah. You know, they never improve their, beavers never improve their, their, their dams. Yeah. (laughs) They just stay the same forever. But human beings through our creative process have improved things as we go. So I have to believe that that's part of the image of our creator within us. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm going to have to follow you, follow up with you uh, later. We'll talk more about uh, seeing if I can get you on again for that other book. Uh, but let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Terry Wildman. Um, you can take these questions as seriously or not as you'd like to. Uh, but if you're Pope for a day, you know, what would you, what would be important to you, I'd say? If I was Pope for a day, oh my gosh, 
You know, I have an, I, that cr question has never crossed my mind, you know. Um, Native people don't even want to be chiefs, you know, hmm. uh, because being a chief meant that you give up everything so you can serve the people, you know. But if I was Pope for a day, oh my gosh, I would just want to talk about Jesus and get people loving Jesus and loving his teachings and loving each other and focusing more on our relationships than we do on our differences and our and our disagreements and things like that trying to find common ground between each other uh be between our cultures between our christian ways of viewing the scriptures christianity is is such a a divided uh belief system and um that's one of the things that kind of drove our native people a little little crazy is you guys how do you guys expect us to believe this when you guys can't agree on it you know many of our leaders uh that was the response to uh the story of jesus you know and 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 becoming a christian was uh well you know you christians fight about the creator we don't want to start doing that you know so so i guess that's a quick question question i would never want to be pope fair enough fair enough <laughs> um a theologian or historical christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life oh my you know um I've always been, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, the, the standard, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I want to meet Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know, I want to meet him I want, uh, and stuff. But, but I also, I've all my life, I've been fascinated with Paul, hmm. you know, but I've learned to be more of a Jesus follower than a Paul follower. Yes. Okay. I've learned to interpret Paul through Jesus instead of Jesus through Paul. Yes. You know, and so. Uh, but I, but I'm still fascinated with Paul. What, what a, a, a place he had in forming, um, and bringing together different groups of people. He had to bring the Jewish and Gentiles together, the, all the slaves and frees, and he had to try to get them to eat from the same table. <laughs> you know, to have communion together. Oh my gosh, you know, and and the differences in working through all that. Uh, and there's just lots of things I, I wish I knew, could understand. You know, we, we don't have theology all figured out. We're all trying to figure it out. We don't, we don't have our eschatology nailed down totally. Oh, some people do, but I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't have my eschatology nailed down. I, you know, even I'm even looking at atonement theories and going, hmm, hmm, hmm. And, with all this. And, but I love theology, uh, and so, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind talking to Paul if, if we could communicate across our cultures. Sure, sure. Um, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? Wow, that's a really good question. I don't know if I have the answer to that. History may look back, you know, depending on what, which history, the history of the world? Or the history of America. I leave it open-ended on purpose. Yeah. Well, the history of the world will look back at this time of, of, a, of a plague, uh, a, a disease that's a, affecting the whole world. Mm -hmm. and, and looking back at a time when, when some nations have privilege, other nations don't have privilege. Some people groups have privilege, other people don't, groups don't have privilege. And somehow... Maybe we're looking at all the turmoil that we're experiencing today. I always want to believe that this turmoil might be the 
birth pangs of a just society emerging. Hmm. Maybe we're looking at justice a little more. Maybe we're looking at tearing down the walls of misunderstanding between us a little more. And maybe this will be the beginning of it because it seems like we're more divided than ever, ever which means the only solution is we got to learn how to undivide. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to kill ourselves, each other, you know? Well, so it kind of leads into my next question is, what do you hope for the future? And, and I'm guessing that would be part of your hope, right? My hope for the future is that this beautiful story that Jesus brought to us um, would influence every culture, every nation in a good way to, so that the message of peace, uh, which is the first thing Creator sets free, Jesus said, when he came out to meet his disciples, he said, Peace be unto you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. We don't, see, we don't see a lot of peace in the world. Actually, there's probably more than there used to be if people would look at the bigger picture. But the future, uh, my hope is that countries will begin to work together instead of dividing and trying to take advantage of each other and that people would do the same things. I guess it has to start with people before it's going to get to the countries. And, and so if we would just start uh, learning how to listen to each other, how to hear each other, and how not to push our beliefs on others and allow persuasion to be the thing and not force in any way, and that we'd live in a world where force is not used to ha- get our way. Yeah. Well, uh, tell our listeners where they can uh, find uh, a copy of the translation and then find out more about you. Well, the, to find out more it would be to go to firstnationsversion.com, firstnationsversion.com. And there you're going to find a little bit about us. You can contact us. You can look at our, our books there. You can look at the, uh, the translation. You can learn how the translation was developed and who was involved in it and all, all that. We have a whole translation council with all the, the people, the pictures of the people who were involved in that council there. So that's the best way to find out about us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I usually leave uh, folks with a word of peace, but uh, hearing you quote uh, Jesus so much, speaking about peace, uh, my brain went to John fourteen twenty seven. So let me read it here from uh, the First Nations translation. I leave you now with my great peace. It is my gift to you. It is not the kind of peace the world gives. Do not let the troubles of this world fill you with fear and make your hearts fall to the ground, and do not let fear hold you back. May God's Good peace speech. be with you. You too. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go. Do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul Romaglevitt. Thanks, and go in peace. <laughs>